everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of It Depends. We are going to talk about agency life and specifically how that makes development look and feel a little bit different from the way it might in different types of businesses. I'm Daniel Pritchett. I'm here with David Mohundra. Hello. And Ben Robin. Hello and welcome. And Jesse Brown. Hello again. As always, remember to check us out on Twitter at, at @clearfunction and use the hashtag ItDepends, and we will be happy to talk with you. All right, Ben, tell us what we're going to do in this episode. Yeah, so one of the things that is, at least in my experience, specific to working in a, at an agency and versus like a, a product company or maybe an enterprise where you're managing a bunch of software or something like that it is that you're on lots of different projects and products over short periods of time sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of context switching. There's a lot of uh, things that we do process wise to manage that. And so we just want to kind of talk about that huh. topic as a whole. Okay. Because one of the things I've noticed is that it can feel like, man, I have a whole bunch of stuff in flight. Yeah. And I don't remember the last time something was actually like done, done, finished. Right. Even though that's not true, sometimes that's how it feels because you're switching on different things lots of times. And sometimes something will start up and maybe not finish for another couple of months. Maybe you'll p push pause on it or something like that. All right. I think it might help to describe these things in opposition to different styles of work and teams we've been on in the past. Like, yeah, like for instance, you used to work at a company writing software internally, I guess. Can you tell us a bit yep. about what that was like and how it differs? Yeah, more of a waterfall approach mm -hmm. to software development. You know, what um, kind of team was this? Like, a, uh, it was a big company doing software, right? But like, what were the, what made it different from an agency where we're building a dozen clients every two weeks, and that is driving your day-to-day -day work decisions? Sure, I had a fixed set of clients uh -huh. that never changed, and a fixed set of applications that never changed. It wasn't one big okay. application; there were a few. But I always managed those apps. Okay. So you had a fairly small portfolio and it didn't yep. change very often. Yes. Huh. Yeah. And priorities are would normally, I guess, be set by a single individual, that's like right. your boss or something, right? I think that's the biggest difference for me is, you know, you, I've worked at companies that have multiple products and mm -hmm. they can be vastly different from one another. And so the context switch pain is still mm -hmm. there when you have to switch from program A to program B. Mm -hmm. um, but the difference is that not everything's priority one for each of those clients. Like uh, there's yeah. someone who's like, you know what? Project B is bigger than project C. And like at an agency, it's like, Oh, you've got two clients. They're both, you know, red hot, ready to get this deployed. And like, you kind of have to deal with that tension a little bit differently. Yeah. And we haven't even mentioned the industry switching. I mean, I mean, that's well, part yeah, of the yeah. context switching. Yeah. So like when I was at a big company, we were in one like space in the yeah, world, you yeah. know? So whatever it was, you know, substituting your background, but say we were uh, uh, conducting bicycle trips or something like that. Well, we build apps around that industry. Well, even more specifically, like my first uh, job was, like you said, it was Waterfall. It was a dedicated team, but it was dedicated part of the business. Hmm. Like it was specifically yeah. accounting, right? you right. know, or accounts receivable. Right. And so I wasn't necessarily... Uh, becoming a stronger, technically technically stronger developer so much as I was learning a lot more about one very specific mm -hmm. vertical slice of mm -hmm. a business. Mm -hmm. And today, 
I mean, yeah, build it's, accounting systems on Monday, and then you've got exactly. like marketing website, <laughs> and on it's Tuesday, in a different framework yeah. or language. With right. uh, oh, well, this one's going to be web. This is mobile. I mean, it's everything is changing, and it's always in flight. And so the context switches are just a lot more. Yeah, and not even just the technologies or the programming language, but also the tools. Mm-hmm. Like yes. one project you're on Git, another you're on you know Subversion or whatever it is, TFS or FTP. whatever. Yeah, FTP, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure, right. Yeah, and it's not to say that you don't want... I've worked at a company before that has products in different spaces or like even for a product, even if you're in a big enterprise, you might work kind of on the core product of like, you know, selling light bulbs or something like that. But then uh, you then for the next three months, you might be doing an accounting project. And right. so you do get those context switches, but I think they're much more controlled because mm-hmm. they generally yeah. sort of focus you in on sort of the core business because that's usually where they need you obviously and then like you might have sort of side projects that you know occasionally make you contact switch out to accounting or like right. some other sort of businessy sort there, of things sales usually or something like that like you know at least six to six months usually more like 12 months of some sort of roadmap mm-hmm. it's not always very well defined but there's at least a general idea mm-hmm. of what you'll be doing yeah whereas our clients we don't know that they're going to be our client sometimes until they come to us with a need. Right, yeah. yeah. And and a lot of times, you know, um, not even talking about clients, potential clients, that that's a big change as well. Absolutely. is because you end up having to context switch to a, uh, you know, a leads, like, you know, investigate their needs right. up front to kind of give them a, you know, cost and like mm-hmm. timeline and all that sort of stuff and understand their business so that you can figure out how to help them. Right. And then, and then a few hours later, you're back on, you know, uh, the marketing website that someone's paying you to do or, you know, the, right. uh, the web application to process stuff, you know, it's, so yeah, there's even, even, you know, clients that are yet to be cause a lot of context switching. One thing that's interesting to me about this style of work is that clients are almost never forever. Like you might have a client that's paying for one or two of us full time for a few weeks or months, but most of them don't plan to keep that arrangement indefinitely that it's a somewhat right. fixed engagement we're gonna get this done maybe it's next week maybe it's the end of the year yeah, and sometimes they tack on like support contracts and yeah. stuff like that and then like uh but then like you said at some point they'll maybe ramp it back down because they have other needs that are not like software related mm-hmm. and then they may come back to you in a year they may come back to you in three years or they may never ever come back to you and yeah, then we gotta is, think um, about just, how we do our work so that we can respect that that they don't want to retain us at full size and strength forever but we would like We'd like for them to think of us if they need something again next year. So it's mm-hmm. it changes the way you do things if you can't really be sure you'll ever get to finish this big project you just kicked off. Well, and you know a handoff is coming. Right. right. I mean, yeah. p- part of what you're saying is the way we do like pricing and billing, and it's just not set up to do a really long-term staff augmentation kind of thing. Like, you just wouldn't want to do that. You bring us in to figure out the problem that no one else can figure out for a fixed set of time, and we figure it out, and we hand it off back to you to support it. Yeah. There's, Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about... Uh, a job I left uh, a few years back and uh, I spent I I would guess my last two weeks there writing documentation Mm -hmm. for the handoff because it was there but that was after you know years on a specific you know team and things like that so it's like yeah I was and so but like Daniel like you're saying keeping things always in a state where it's yeah, someone maybe if it's not even handing off to the client, it's handing off to someone else 
you know, yeah. here because yeah. of priority changes or things like that. That's and sometimes we do have contracts that are staff augmentations, right? right. Like we've had yeah. plenty of times where they'll get a few of us for the next like six weeks to like burn really hot on a project where like agency to agency work where mm-hmm. we're trying to help yeah. um, get this client over a certain you know, threshold of to, to meet a deadline. And, uh, and you, and, and then you're kind of, you have to go back to thinking about it the other way where you're like, I need to, I need to help get them over this hump, but like, I am going to be gone in like mm-hmm. two weeks. And so yes. like, you're not necessarily worrying about handoff so much. As it is like integrating into their pipeline and getting things done, uh, knocking out the task as fast as you can. Cause they're going to wrap up and hand it over mm-hmm, to the client right. or whatever, or vice versa, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, when, to be clear there, the operative word on what I said about staff hog was long. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not you're not keeping us on staff for like three years. Right. So you're just, you're yeah. not and you're not going to pay for us for eternity, kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. So, I had a conversation with someone recently who was uh, sort of hinting that things like uh, continuous integration or things like that might not be as valuable unless you're at a large organization. But I would sort of say that. This is sort of one of the reasons we value it so much is because yeah. it allows yeah, for other people to onboard quickly. Mm-hmm. They don't have to figure out how a deployment works. They don't have to figure out how to build works. It's just yeah. all part of the dev process already. Yeah, yeah having this, like make files and yeah. all those sorts of things like those. Those are extremely important when people are bouncing from project to project mm-hmm. and yes. and making sure that we're all sort of using similar tool sets to switch, you know, Ruby versions and Node versions because, you yes. know, we've got clients that are on completely different tech stacks, but they share certain pieces of it. Yes. And, and that's where like Docker can come in or some container technology mm-hmm. to, you know, try to keep some of that at bay. Um, mm-hmm. We try our mm-hmm. best. You know, it's not perfect. It's still, you know, we're still ever evolving tech world on this right. sort of yeah. dependency stuff when you deal with like, you know, 20 clients with all different versions of Node.js and or whatever, you know, you've got to, you got to deal with that somehow and it's not pretty. Yeah. I will say as a consultant that I'm, I get more used to that every year and mm-hmm. that my personal standards on what's enough to make a project easy to get ramped up on get stronger. Like I know I've had jobs where I didn't even get my computer for the first week. Right. Reading binders <laughs> yes. at my empty cubicle. Yes. And <laughs> yep. I guess that's, that was 10 years ago. So maybe they're different now too, but I do feel like as consultants, we have a lot stronger need for quick ramp up and ramp down. The stakes are higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I've noticed that in leaving those past jobs, leaving big Fortune 100 company jobs, you give notice and they'll have you sit and do all the mm-hmm. ramp up a few button up items and do all the documentation and just sit there and serve out your time. But in the past leaving agencies, you can give two weeks notice and three days later they've got your, your part of your project spun down and they're like, hey, you want to leave now? That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just we get used to that quick transition and it's yep. the business is not set up to be stuck with one person leaving like that so our bus cool. factor is low yeah and we do it on purpose right it, this feels like a good time daniel for your one of your number one heuristics of successful projects oh yeah uh i think i've just kind of been dancing around and we all have is how long does it take a new developer to mm-hmm. get up and onboarded and committing and contributing exactly yes yeah, and that's yeah. We try to keep that as low as possible for every project. It's like golf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want a low number yeah. there. It's like code golf, but like <laughs> yeah. with like how many commands do I actually have to run for mm-hmm. this to just be working on my machine? Right. Yeah, and you can yeah. if you look at your README and it's got like twenty steps. That's better yes. than not having a README. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah. Call Jesse and he'll True. get to you on Tuesday. But True. yeah, 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 yeah that's once pretty you much start what there. setup looked like at uh, the places I worked previous. Oh, yeah. that were not agencies like you said about ten years ago. They're like, and uh, talk to Tom. And they're uh-huh. like, oh, yeah. Like, well, what's that going to be? Well, that he'll. You know, you'll work I, together really closely for the next two weeks, and then maybe you'll be able to build. I, like, I remember oh, I, I, I walked in, uh, and it was like, oh, yeah, your desktop. I was like, where's it at? It's still in the box over there. 
Like, <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, you get to put all that together and then uh, talk to so-and-so to get the Word doc. Oh, but you got to get added to the domain first. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, and you then gotta you get to the share, and there's the Word doc that's 15 pages yeah. on configuration. That's and, outdated by years. Yeah, I, I, I was really proud of myself. You know, I've been there a little while, so I could get through all of the setup in under a day. Yeah. yeah. For you someone know. else? Yeah. For someone else, it oh, might cool. take three days. Yeah. 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 I mean, you were adding value by helping a new employee get up and running in a day instead of a week. Yeah, although okay. we also thought it was funny to sort of make new devs struggle through it mm-hmm. just because it was a learning experience. Yeah. It was like it was like hazing. It was hazing, yeah. really. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> like when they teach you the hard way to do it first in yeah. high school That's math right. and then the easy way. Yeah, the yes. same yeah. thing's true with like web servers today, right? Like today we, we really value having like fleets of servers that are identical. We're like, I'm gonna deploy a hundred yes. of these web servers and like you're like, Cool, it's just like one command to make it go from two to a hundred. Mm-hmm. We're like before every server is a snowflake, right? Yeah. A no. special snowflake that like like you said, had a word doc that was like twenty pages long mm-hmm. with like FAQs and like if you see this random error, it means you forgot step one or like mm-hmm. step three A and like, uh, you know. Anyway, yeah. so I'm glad that we're getting past that yeah. as a uh, general rule. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, the part of this I was thinking about was databases. I should be able to drop and spin up a new database Absolutely. whenever yes. I want with great seed data. Yeah. Yes. For really whatever. Absolutely. Data. That's like the <laughs> yeah. intangible. Like no one ever has it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a great thing to think about. But man, mm-hmm. most people have like the bare minimum. They're like, oh yeah, now you've got to create your own login. And, uh, yeah, you know, all yeah. that stuff. And you're like, well, now I have to go through registration every hour when I have to drop this database or something <laughs> right. like that. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, Mo, you did something this morning that I think fits in here a little bit uh, with uh, doing support on a project. Mm-hmm. You you came and asked me to walk you through supporting something because I've been doing most of the support oh, yes, on it yes, for a while. Yeah. And I was really glad that you were doing it because it means that I've got some backup on it. But it also uncovered a few holes in our process. Yes. and. We have been working on a, a shared operations incident log, which it's. I'm not sure it's fully paid off yet, but it doesn't cost much to keep it up and running, and it makes me feel good. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little <laughs> bit about that and the process? Yeah, so uh, in, in this case, uh, we had a notification that there was a system that was down, and I happened to be the one that received the incident, and so I went to the people who I knew knew about it, so it was like, Ben and Daniel here. It's like, hey, what should I do? I have verified that I can pull the site up <laughs> so right. it doesn't look like it's down. Important first yeah. step. And it shouldn't it, go understated. Yeah, and so it was interesting, though. Like, okay, here's the things to check. And what it revealed was, okay, for example, we were using uh, per-user accounts mm-hmm. versus like a, a service account to log into some of these other sites. And it's, oh, I didn't even know about oh, that man. one. So it's sort of, it, for me, one of the things is like because we go through some of this quickly – Sometimes the turnaround or the, the handoff can be a little bit more lighter. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that, but it's like it does mean that there are gaps sometimes. So maybe there needs to be like a fire drill occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a yeah. thing that uh, SRE teams will do, like site reliability groups or mm-hmm. the game mm-hmm. day, where like the whole team gets in the war room. Some one walks in, is like, "Hey, this service is down." Yeah, Duh. and what? yeah, they try yeah. to make it not actually impact production, but the whole point is doing a live exercise when your thing breaks during business hours and you deal with yeah. it. Because Do, doesn't Netflix really have the... Yeah, they have the chaos monkey. Chaos right? yeah. monkey, yeah, yeah. yeah. That actually does go and break yeah, things. Yeah, like in production, yeah. it'll basically just run and it'll just like terminate processes yeah. and just like see how things happen. And like it's that's awesome. made it like super resilient, <laughs> yeah. right? That, that's uh, more of a bottom-up than a top-down thing. I'm absolutely. saying like imagine if the three of us were sitting here. Yes. Like, this yeah, so basically we used what to that do would this. look like. We're yeah. here, all right here during business hours. 
we have a fake problem, mm-hmm. and we all dealt with it, and we learned a lot. If this yeah. had happened at 2 a.m. on a Saturday, it would have not been cool for you. Absolutely. And we would. Yeah, we didn't do tech ones, but me and Mo have participated in numerous ones that were around like, uh, you know, security breaches. Yes. Like yeah. We we, had, we were very high, you know, PCI level uh, one provider, and we had uh, we would have at least yearly like, okay, so there's been a breach. We think, mm-hmm. and like, what are the steps we go through to make sure that we understood like. You know, do you leave the servers on? Do you like, do you yeah. spin up another server and freeze that server? Like, you my, know, my it, favorite it, it, it was, always, it depends. And like, you know, there's uh, a lot of steps you go yeah, through. Th- but there was one where it was like, you walk into a server room and you see a device you don't recognize. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, like, right. What yeah, do you like, do? There's a the USB hammer. stick yeah. like hanging out of one of your server blades. Like, what, what do you do? You know, you're like, <laughs> those yeah, were fun. Anyway. Awesome. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah th- th- those can be really valuable. Yeah. So, how do we integrate that with a, Fast switching agency lifestyle. That yeah, well, super part of awesome it is maybe... uh, you're getting better at it because you do it all the time. Like, yeah. uh, you know, if today you're working on project A and then tomorrow, like, your expertise are needed elsewhere, like, someone else has to jump in. And mm. it's ne- not necessarily like a DevOps, the site is down sort of thing, but yeah. you get, you, because we context switch so much and because we have to document. Like how, you know, because because we do that, we document pretty well and we, you know, we know how to hand off things a lot better than. Uh, you know, someone who hasn't worked at an agency. That's and a, so, so I think, so I think practice is sort of my answer there for me yeah. is like, we, we, we're just better at handing off and being and handing off things to us. I, I think, think the second thing I would add is thinking about how to avoid rework often is going to be a really important heuristic as well. Um, if I know that this project could stop work at any point, mm-hmm. then I need to be ready at any point to stop work, which yeah. means I need to be ready to postpone decisions that I might have otherwise Absolutely. made now, yes. or I need to, and we've talked about documentation, but that's another piece of it too. If What if what if the project resourcing changes entirely overnight yeah. for some yeah. reason? Suppose and This is why you don't have like long-running branches where Ben's been like coding on a feature for six <laughs> months. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, you yes. get, you, but because Cowboy you know coding. that can happen, you constantly yeah. Yeah. are yeah. committing in small units of work, and that's good anyway, but right. I mean, well, it's, you're kind of forced to in the agency So you're saying world. you want us to be more extreme, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. exactly. <laughs> well, it, it's also about like, you want your code to be easily easy to deploy mm-hmm. and currently deployed, you yeah. know, as much as possible. Yeah. yeah you don't want to be like, I mean, oh, I need to make this one text change. And then you're like, oh, it hasn't been deployed in like six months. And there's, yeah. like, oh, and there's like six months worth of like tiny changes that I'm deploying that I have yeah. no idea where they came from. I changed the warning to red text. And now like the last six months of <laughs> yeah, changes exactly. are going yeah. with it yeah. to so production. One thing about this that's interesting to me is we talk about handoffs a lot. And I think, Jesse, you were hinting at this a minute ago. We do internal handoffs. Like, yes. say, let's say we're all booked on different projects, and I get two weeks to do this one project, and then when I'm done, I hopefully document it well, and then that client needs us again six weeks from now, but, oh, no, I'm in the middle of a month engagement with some other client. Right. Then suddenly Ben or somebody winds up picking up where I left off on that same thing. So it's not just the handoff to yeah. give it back to the client and exactly. walk away. We're well practi- practiced in handoffs in general Yeah. Um, because of the – yeah, like you said, because of the scheduling. Like, you're constantly mm-hmm. – in and out of projects and so i think you just get good at it yeah, after a while that helps keep us honest like get i know good. you two get uh, good ben and jesse worked on something in december and then i got to touch it for the first time in january and as soon as i get in there i'm all making myself comfortable rearranging stuff and you guys are like oh why is he doing that and like, it's, <laughs> it's nice to get that fresh pair of eyes regularly mm-hmm. in a way that you wouldn't if it was just you two for a year and then it was set aside or whatever this reminds me of what we talked about on wednesday as well Mm-hmm. How much more important is it for the code to be maintainable over its whole life? Yes. Like I need to write code that makes sense, not just to me in my mm-hmm. context, but also makes sense to whoever the next guy that comes along is, even if it's six months from now, Ben, 
Sometimes I'm really happy with six months ago, Ben, and mm-hmm. other times I'm not as happy Absolutely. with that guy. Oh, yeah. I've got so. some notes about it <laughs> in my production support log from something that... Wait, no, there's the last thing, the last major thing I fixed before I started writing the log. It was just over a year ago, and I really don't remember any of it. Like, I can look <laughs> at my code, and I kind of feel like, figure out where I got, or how I got to where I was, or where I wound up, but... I really need to document that because it's just kind of a critical piece and I only half remember it and you guys only hear what I've been yelling about from my desk. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember who said it. Uh, maybe, who's the, the getting things done guy? Is that David Allen? Yes. Sure. I think he said something like, human brains are made for having ideas, not for storing <laughs> ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, really pull requests lesson. are important too. Like, uh, you know, to your point, like if you're fixing those operational things, mm-hmm. um, even though I wasn't there coding it with you, like if it goes through a code review for yeah. like me or Mo or Ben, then like, uh, you know, s- six months to a year, if something happens that's in that same area of code, like yeah. there's like having that documented and the conversation we may or may not had about that code um, and, you know, being able to kind of like track that back to like why we did this. And, yeah. you know, like you said, even if it's not just in the commit, commits are important. Commit messages, not always great. Some people are good at it. Some people, you know, sometimes you're just in a rush and you're like, yeah, I fixed this thing. And like that sentence doesn't make sense a year from now that you just wrote and get. <laughs> right. And so like having the conversation of someone who's, who wasn't a part of that discussion when the issue came in, they're just like, hey, what, why are we doing this? And then yeah. like having, being able to go back and look mm-hmm. at those uh, pull request conversations is pretty useful. That so, is really nice. Now I'm wondering, because the operation I was... The, incident i was thinking about was not really in the code so much as uh, me like, depending on one companion service that was working as designed except they didn't really understand it and so i have to go read it and learn it every few months then forget it again <laughs> so i gotta figure out how to get that integrated in the process i documented it last time so i guess i was happy with past daniel for writing that 50 line read me about what i thought it did last year which turns out to be mostly wrong but <laughs> it's still better than nothing <laughs> well i feel like that's the postponing decisions thing yeah, yeah right yeah. like I need to be willing to do whatever the next iteration of work is on yeah. this thing. So maybe I'm at step two in the process. Maybe I'm at step 10, but I'm making it better than I found it every yeah. single time I touch it. And, yep. and there's, I mean, we talked about this. So, so Ben, you'll have to talk about Wednesday a little bit, but the how much is responsible right now too? Mm-hmm. Because you could be tempted to redo the whole thing to make it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not going to be the right decision mm-hmm. because you might get stuck halfway and then mm-hmm. you get pulled yep. off and then it's never going to get done yeah. or it, knowing how to do, you still want to leave things better than when you found it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But knowing this, the right scale, the same right. thing's true for documentation. You don't want to write a book <laughs> because you won't read a book in six months. Yeah, it's yep. going to be invalidated anyway. Yeah. So it's just enough documentation to get you further along so that you can leave it better than you found it the next time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Conceptual documentation is what I generally like. Like conceptually how how do these puzzle pieces fit together? You mm-hmm. know, don't dive in into specifics too much. Uh, usually for me just because like you said they're invalidated um, you know, 6 months from now when someone has changed the inner workings of it, but conceptually unless they've changed like the flow of the data or like what's, you know, what's happening and why it's happening, you know, then, you know, that's what I like. Yeah. Right. I like diagrams, Jesse. Yeah. Diagrams. So yeah, those are very conceptual usually. Yeah. You know, you can get really t- detailed in those too, but uh, most people don't because there's not enough room in the world for a PDF that can show some of the complex stuff that's in so, code. Ben, you're really speaking my language here, talking about making small changes so that if you never get to finish your, say, grand six-week vision, that 
your meaningful progress is still meaningful and not completely mm-hmm. wasted. I'm, I'm totally on board with that, but it's got me wondering what types of problems are so complex or are there problems that can't be solved one step at a time? Like if you sit to that method religiously, will you never get there in certain cases? Like I know there's an old hmm. uh, Joel Spolsky essay where he talks about like certain things just can't be done without the best people in the optimum conditions and whatever. I'm not even sure that I agree with much of Joel's stuff 20 years later, but at the time oh, that really 20. resonated with me. So do you guys, can you think of anything hmm. that you're just never going to finish if you try to do it super extreme? One step at a time, every four hours, a new thing happens? Well, it's not that you wouldn't finish it, I don't think, but there has to be enough value that someone can pick up where you left off. Like, if you're doing things too small, Mm -hmm. I guess, like, just baby changes that don't actually have any, like, meaningful impact by the time someone picks it up, it may be easier for them to conceptually tackle it themselves than jump on to your uh, incremental changes if they don't follow your same mindset. Like, Mm. because everyone works differently, right? Like, some people work, like, kind of a... You know, some people will be lockstep together where they're like, you know, they can, they, you're tracking with that person yeah. and someone else may come at the problem in a, the completely other way. And so That's I fair. think that that can, that can throw people off. So you do, you know, so I think, yeah, I think it can happen. I guess, yeah, if you have like one top down thinker and one bottom yeah, up exactly. thinker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Depending on the problem space, I'll do it differently. Like if it's something where I'm super confident that it's just a matter of time before I get there, then I'll approach it in a really casual one tiny piece at a time where like I know where I am I know where I'm going I know that this is in the way I'm going to move it out of the way I'm going to polish this thing I'm going to reshape that thing and every day I'm a little bit closer yeah I think it can be too small if you can look at like a diff of like you know a few change sets and actually not be able to tell where you're going like <laughs> if it's just like okay I see these methods have changed yeah and like but I don't see that anything has of any substance has actually changed you've just yeah. kind of like reset stuff if there's no sort of like actual like you know branch of logic that has changed mm-hmm. or like you know, yeah, like you said, or a te- or a failing test somewhere that says what's supposed to be happening, and you can kind of tell that. Oh, I see where they're going. You have to yeah. be able to tell where they're going that for it to be sense. valuable. So I think there is a a unit of work that's probably too small for handoff. Huh. Um, yeah, but you know, it probably depends on the person. We we talk a lot about tensions around here and so how some <laughs> things are tensions to live in and some things are tensions to manage. I, I do think this is probably a tension to live in, um, and I think maybe balance is a helpful word here mm-hmm. because ultimately, like I agree with what you said, Daniel, a hundred percent. I also think the other side of the equation is how much value is what I'm doing adding, mm-hmm. and how much uh, time or money or whatever it is is it costing. So yeah. I, I want to consider, you know, kind of like Mo was saying earlier, if I've spent two weeks, you know, building. A thing you can log into and can't do anything else with. Well, that doesn't really add value for anybody. Right. It's, it, no one's going to write a check for that. No one's going to be benefited by having it. Yeah. Uh, and so there is, you know, there there is an extreme to mm-hmm. extreme sometimes. So I guess, hmm, the way I like to think of this is sort of like a log jam metaphor. Like if you have an entire river full of logs that are floating downstream to a sawmill, and there's a few logs jammed at the head of it, and there's thousands of logs waiting. You can look at the log jam and you can walk out there and say, pick out this one log and move it and then the whole river gets flowing again. Like That's always my philosophy when I'm trying to make tiny changes. I'm not just dancing around doing arbitrary things that all of a sudden when the last piece is put together, it all has value. I, I like to imagine right. that each step gets us closer and even if we never get to the goal, like maybe I've taken this thing that can't be extended or can't be built on or trusted because it's a little too brittle. And I've started to clean it up and make it yeah, put the understandable tests and readable. It or something like that, right? Yeah, because yeah, like like you said, like opening it for extensibility and like writing tests around it, even if you haven't written the extensibility part, is useful 
Um, and but yeah, I think part of it is just like, does the next person follow your line of thinking? Yeah, sure. Is my, the only the, my only concern there. But I do think that like, yeah, that's perfectly reasonable approach. Like, but there's a false dichotomy I think with extreme only being tiny. Yes. Without being also having a view of the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not an either or. You can have both end in this case and yeah. have like, mm-hmm. you know, a picture like you said, all of the things coming up. What are the small things I can do now to make this fit through more quickly? Yeah. yeah. And I was celebrating internally when you said that because <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of false dichotomy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wasn't sure how to verbalize I it. I think it's a little harder in agency yes. for it to be extreme because you yeah. can get in those situations where if you're not – because there's only a short handoff moment like yeah. between you and another person to take over that project, um, that I think there is a – there's a greater chance of not – of not being able to cast that vision Mm -hmm, to the next person in line to finish where you started. And that tension is because ultimately speaking, we don't sell time for money. We sell value. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's where I think extreme tension and agency is a, is a thing like, cause you know, yeah, smallest unit of work that has some value. Like that's, that's awesome. And like, like you said, getting incremental steps to get where you're going, but it is hard to sometimes hard to uh, achieve if like like you said, you're selling value. And uh, if you don't, if you can't really like cast the exact same vision and then you have to start over, mm-hmm. then it's wasted time, right? Um, mm-hmm. And therefore, no value. That's and wasted most, time here is expensive. Exactly. Yeah. That's one of the most painful tensions here as a developer in any agency. Like, let's say a client wants something done in two weeks, and you can look at it and say, I can probably make that work in two weeks. It's probably going to be terrible, but it will technically work. <laughs> or I can do it right, and it will take three weeks. And then sometimes you kind of have to put your thumb on the scale and lead people in the direction they really need to go because they trust you. But well, it's other the, times you do defer yeah. that decision to someone else and they say, suck it up, do it, do it this way because there's not time or money to do it your way. And so then it, it gets really awkward, you know? It's not that I'm right and they're wrong. It's just that we're making some compromises. And yeah, compromise, yeah. yeah I mean, like you've got to, you know, I think it's, you know, trust between the client and the agency, right? Like we... We talk to them honestly yeah. about what we what we can deliver in two weeks mm-hmm. and what we think you should actually do, and those sometimes yeah. don't yeah. line up. Something and so and we give them the choice. Sometimes we don't give them the choice, right? Like we just can't get that done in two weeks, like yeah. and that's just flat out a thing we can't do. Yeah. Um, but here's what we could yeah. do to get you closer to where you want to be in two weeks. And right. if that works for them, then that's great. And and you know we've all kind of compromised on that. And uh, if not, then you know, right. yeah. That sort of technical expertise, though, is the highest value thing that we offer. If you just want somebody to crank out a few characters of code for you, you can go a lot of cheaper places, and you might be just fine. But uh, the value that we provide that is sometimes invaluable uh, is that we can provide that consulting, that expertise, that direction for Mm -hmm. your product that you desperately need and maybe don't even know that you need or or need to vocalize. Yeah, and that kind of leads to a common thing in consulting where you'll make a competitive bid for something. Somebody will go with someone else and then come back six months later. Like, oh, we tried this and it didn't work, so we're willing to try to do it your way for more time and money that we didn't think was worth it then, but now we know better. It turns out it is. It's hard to put into words sometimes, like the opportunity cost Mm -hmm. around, like, just what the differences are. Yeah. Um, I think there's value. So there's still value in the technical debt metaphor just because people understand they understand debt debt. yeah exactly but quantifying how much yeah Yeah, because you're like oh so some guy's gonna just have to code for like an extra week and clean it up like that's that's not the reality is always worse right yeah there's no like one week of cleanup that's like Mm -hmm. you can undo like six months of like Mm -hmm. you know the cheapest 
coder you could find yeah. uh, building your business. Because that's also like, it's really hard to quantify like, you're going to run, this is this software that you're asking us to build, runs your entire business. If your mm-hmm. business is to sell like shoes, like you don't want to, you don't want to cheap out. Like if you can't sell shoes, then that's like, you know. It's your livelihood. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it is your livelihood. So going yeah. with the cheapest thing that you can find to do yeah. it is sometimes the wrong answer. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, well, guys, thanks for coming today. We've had some good conversation around well, a lot of things, just um, doing development in an agency uh, as opposed to elsewhere, uh, context switching and the, the topic of postponing decisions, important decisions, and being able to switch on to projects and switch off. Um, and people who are listening can reach out to us on Twitter and join the conversation by tweeting at ClearFunction or hashtag it depends. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to It Depends, a podcast by Clear Function. Clear Function is a group of happy engineers based in Memphis, Tennessee. We partner with visionaries to bring their ideas to life. For more information, check out our website at clearfunction.com.